you ever just eat a mushroom that you find on the ground and then it just sends you on the worst trip? Yeah, one time back at midsummer, <laughs> I had a really weird experience. Yeah, me, me and my friends, we always called it mushroom roulette. Yeah, you know, and then... You some, might die, you might have a good time, who you knows? You might die, you might drown your baby in a swamp. There's all kinds of things you can do. We're the pod people. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and I'm scared and confused, and I just want to leave the forest. Hi guys, I'm... Cleveland Mosier. I'm Cleveland Mosier. So there's just a... What, what, what's, what is that noise what is I, keep, that? I, I keep hearing? Going on? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, how's well, it going? Well, uh, I'm the German snack boy, Ben Sheets. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Guys, it's episode 69. Nice. Nice. All I gotta say about that, nice. <laughs> and for episode 69, Cleveland, we talked about your pick, Hagazusa. We did. We we did do that. Um, <laughs> I'll start by saying, uh, last podcast, I mentioned this film and saying that I saw about 20 seconds of the trailer and thought that the aesthetic w- alone was enough to, to draw me in and want to uh, pick it, take a sort of a wild card movie. And yeah, sure. I was under the impression from the, the 20 seconds of imagery that I saw that it was, um, originally I thought it was like tribal, like Scandinavian, and I was quite wrong. It's actually plague era uh, Germany. Have you ever seen different. The Witch and been like, hey, this movie's moving too fast. I can't <laughs> keep up. I need it to slow down. <laughs> Well, well, we have a movie for you. Yes. If you've ever thought that, then Hagazusa might be the right film for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you mentioned, Cleveland, it is a German film from 2017, directed by Lucas Fiegelfeld. Uh, what a name. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Right. Uh, starring Alexandra Quen, Claudia Martini, and Tanya Petrovsky. It's about a young goat herd in 15th century Germany who is overcome by madness and superstition. As a plot synopsis, that is pretty generous. Yep, that's the film. <laughs> yep. Like that, that, mm, that's it. That's, uh, that's what you're going to get going in. Well, and coming out, too. And coming out. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is true. I, uh, uh, when you p- picked this film, I Googled it just to see the, the country of origin, just because I'm like, Hagazusa is probably not a... Uh, like, a, not Scandinavian. A, 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 an English language film. But I didn't watch the trailer. I was just like, okay, this, this looks interesting. Cleveland wanted to pick it. Cool. Um, I did see some stuff that... It was considered Germany's answer to the witch. Like, I, I went into it with pretty high hopes. Yeah, that that is definitely a, I, I could say, a, a detriment. It's not doing it any favors it's by, so, it's by comparing a, it's it to the witch. It's not a particularly Don't, fair comparison. No, it's inherently, like, it, it's it's made with good intent, like, to compare it to such, like, an, an incredible it's film. It's similar, it's a but similar hold, time period with similar mood and witch. Yeah, That's it. I, w- yeah. I, would, I would say it's apt in terms of atmosphere and... Period uh, piece horror. And period piece horror, right. but outside of that... There's very little in common. Uh, Hagazusa is a old high German word, meaning witch. So it, it's, literally it's literally the witch in German. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I did see, after we watched this film, I did a little bit of research on it just because it's... It's very obscure, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah I would I would say abstract in a lot of ways. I saw every th- way. Really. I saw that this film was actually a student film, Lucas Fiegelfeld's senior thesis film for film school. Again, why I think which comparisons are just unfair. <laughs> yeah, and it, that makes a lot of sense because in many ways it feels like a student film yes. in that 
it's made by somebody who has some degree of knowledge of film history and film canon and has love and respect for certain films and directors and has a sort of vague idea of concepts that they want to explore. Well, it's certainly ambitious and high-budgeted and I for will, a student. And I oh, will yeah. say, well, it, it is kick-started. We saw in yes. the credits that it was, it was partially crowdfunded. Mm-hmm. And I believe I saw that he also received a grant from his school. That would uh, definitely to, help as well. To help with the budget. Uh, it is extremely ambitious, and for the problems that I have with this film, I'm very comfortable saying that it's a far more impressive feat than my own secret thesis. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I wish I wish that I had known the information that I had going into this film was that it was a an ambitious student film mm-hmm. and not a witch comparative. I, f- I feel like I, you know, might be a little bit more generous, have been more generous, you know, with the, with the movie. I like, mean, I don't know, man. I, I think Using the students we have on them are all valid and excuses not the most apt because I've seen good, really good I've student really films, good student you know, films like well. Martin Scorsese's The Big Shave is one of the greatest short films of all time, in my opinion, and that was a student mm. film, you know. I can understand it being a bit of a crutch. But I don't want to emphasize no, no, that no, no, as no, 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 any no. excuse. I'm, I'm not gonna. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lean on that. In I, my, own, my own critique I, of it. I do want to start with one of the two elements that I think is the strongest: the cinematography. I thought the cinematography in this film was often was quite beautiful. stunning. Yeah, I think they shot on Ari's. I don't know if it was film or digital. It looked digital. Mm-hmm. I would yeah, I would guess digital. It's, um, the for framing, a student film in 2017, like even crowdfunded, I think film mm-hmm. would be a little bit too expensive. Yes, <laughs> I, I, yes. Uh, the the framing of of the movie is is very very art house, very mood piece. Yes, but the budget does not reflect that in the same way. Like you're, we're not you know seeing a lot of like weird shaky cam no. and like any grain in the shots. Like it's all crystal clear. Looks great. Well, Mike, it's and, very sharp. It's also very contemplative in its pace and a lot of the shots are very long it's very picturesque in that way I would relate it to the witch uh, in a lot of the cinematography feels very painterly the witch does use exclusively natural light and it's obvious that this film does didn't, not yeah. so I think mm-hmm. there's a little bit lost there but again I don't want to compare this too much to the witch but uh, the the cinematography is very sharp absolutely I think. I, I, I it looks it's a very good looking film i i want to separate to the look from sequences because i do have a few more problems with the sequences themselves sure but the 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 look of the film is very very nice while i don't always think the shots justify their three minute times yeah you know they're yeah, yeah, they yeah. there's such long protracted shots in this film sometimes feel justified most of the time in my opinion don't really i want to emphasize that i like slow cinema you know stuff like tarkovsky or bellatar um where you have these long long protracted shots and sequences but there's very contemplative and there's something to grasp onto to think about during those sequences. Right. The problem I have with this film is I feel like there's not enough to grasp onto. So you're thinking about things there's during not, those sequences. There's not very much happening. Mm. It's certainly more of a mood piece than a narrative film, I think. It has the simplest barest narrative possible and i i understand the appeal of that but i still like you said ben you still need to give people things to contemplate yes and there's not a whole lot of that in this i would consider the film more of just like a series of tableaus kind of than like a real story because there are events that happen in the film but they are pretty much unmotivated well and that's the thing too like the thing that works so well in the witch and movies of its ilk are 
you know, I think of Antichrist as a good comparative for this film because yeah. it's very slow and contemplative in a lot of times and about in an the hour same longer. way. <laughs> yeah, um, but the thing is with both of those movies, they use those slow contemplative shots to build a sense of tension and dread. And because we don't have enough to grasp onto in this film narratively, that isn't really built. So by the time things escalate in the third act... It kind of just flickers out rather than feeling like a, a hard-hitting conclusion. Yeah. You know, I, it feels like this film was almost the, the prelude to, like, a very long, like, six-plus-hour thing, you know, like, at the pace it was going That at, it was, like, you know? building up yeah. to a film's inciting incident. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, to that's... be clear, to like, the, the wackiest part about that, and I fully agree, is that the, the events that occur during the climax are hard-hitting. They are, like, intense. Pretty and, grotesque And grotesque, well, yeah. and it has all of that, but... It there's is. So, the film so, does. It, it, it's eroded by. There's so little connectivity that I felt somewhat distant from the events that happened at the end. It's like I had just been sort of like meandering through the woods the entire movie that when this stuff happens, mm -hmm. I didn't feel attached to it. Right. And that one could make the excuse that that is because the character herself is very illusory and very distant. But I don't think that's a justification. Well, mm -hmm. she's she's also mentally ill yes which is a big theme of the film that was one of the things that i read what that i wanted to bring up that i don't know if i necessarily would have got just from watching the film the writer director said that the film is supposed to be an exploration of what it would be like to have a debilitating mental illness in the middle ages when there is no concept of that kind of thing and that superstition would lead others and the person who is mentally ill themselves to think of like witchcraft yes well and the thing is part of the reason that doesn't translate very well in the film is because the style of the film is so detached from the perspective of yes. her Totally, where, yes. where we are so outside you know, in, yeah, as a, as a viewer, you're looking outside in for sure. You and don't the, get that subjectivity of something like repulsion or something where you're feeling like you're you're, you're head, understanding yeah. the un, the insanity of the character. Absolutely, I agree completely. That there is such a distance to it, and I think that that concept is really interesting, and it does bring some added context to certain scenes that I think adds point but it's like, man, I shouldn't have to read about that from the director after watching the film. Like, I should be able to get that in watching the film. Because throughout the film, you kind of just feel like she is just becoming a witch or that she is under some sort of supernatural attack. You or that it's an allegory for the or plague. Or that it's an allegory for the plague. Which is, yeah, the, the biggest so, thing I got So it's like, it. there's not really much of a suggestion that, like, Oh man, this is, you know, a mentally ill woman who doesn't have any any help and is secluded and like the the toll that that takes and I on can... on her. But the problem is too is that there's very little interaction with the outside world, so there's not any sort of like sounding point for normalcy. To sort of compare what is happening with her, with Albrun, right? And well, in such and a a foreign time environment, right? To like, I think it is pretty important to have that comparative. I well, mean, you don't really get a degradation in right. her state either, really. You kind of get it, but it's so distant and it's, abstract. It's a very gentle that, slope. Yeah, like, that it's it, not much of an escalation. It's not really noticeable. No, mm -hmm. she... I, I mean, we see her at the beginning of the film, like, as a child living with her mother, and it's in the winter, and we see the one scene of, like, people from the town coming to their house at night with torches and being like, we're gonna get you witches, or whatever. So they, they establish that there's, like, a separation of these people from the town, and then her mother dies of the plague and leaves 
leaves her alone and then it cuts to her as an adult but it's like you can kind of get that there's something there just from like the seclusion and like the rest of the town labeling them as witches but like once she's an adult it's kind of a plateau of insanity or whatever yeah 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 that that then at the very end has a spike because of a, a bad trip from eating mushrooms in the woods it's just such a straight line whereas the witch has such a dramatic escalation that mm-hmm. takes its time that's very slow but that by the time you get the climax of the parents trying to kill thomason and then her killing her mother and the father being killed by black philip and like that all feels like an earned climax yeah. that has like built up i mean do you like the taste of butter has just become like one of my ad- yeah. all-time favorite lines in cinema like to live deliciously <laughs> like, it's so yeah. good and uh Again, it's it's unfair to the the film, but it, it does need to keep coming up because it is such a comparative point. I actually have two films that I wanted to bring up for that same reason when talking about the pacing of this film and mm-hmm. how it is a mood piece if there ever was, just to kind of like further hone in on like what Ben was talking about. It's two films that we've talked about on the podcast, and that's uh, The Golden Egg and Nosfer- uh, Herzog's Nosferatu. The, the Golden Egg only because it also features a lot of ponderous shots, you, and you I remember the, defending the vanishing. it. The Vanishing. The book is called The, the Golden, Golden Egg. Egg. Right, yeah. the, with the, the film The Vanishing. Thank mm-hmm. you. And the, that film has a lot of ponderous shots, and I remember defending it a little bit and saying, like, I, li- I really like to sit in a film. Well, uh, in that case, there's, once again, there's stakes. Yes, there's, there's something stakes to hold on to. There's yeah. things you know, have to contemplate. Yeah, and I think, like, it's... And I wanted to bring that up, too, to, like, to better defend, like, y'all's positions on the movie and, like, the, the substance and the effect of that. Like, when you have those, quote, pensive sequences, you know, where we're looking at these mountain ranges and there's just this this drawn-out music playing... sort of hypnotic and sort of designed to place you in like a you know, sort of a transient state but because we're kind of cutting back and forth between the character and that and there's not enough substance going on with the character we're just sort of left there sort of uh, empty looking at these mountains yeah. well i think that there's still something that can be said for that i'm a simple man and i do i like just looking at mountains to beautiful music I do agree. I, well, I do. See, I do that's... think that like that that isn't necessarily enough. And also, like I want to make clear to I don't see you guys as coming to it from the perspective of like a Westerner looking at a European film and going like, oh, it's 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 slow moving, so it's boring, and no, there isn't like yeah, clear no, exposition. I, it's like yeah, that's like, definitely not where y'all are coming from. No, 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 no. no. I, I recognize I'm not that. The, I'm not the type of person to be like, uh, film boring because nothing happened. I like slow and contemplative mm-hmm. too. I think to your point that just like long drawn out shots of nature or like dark moody things with like music is enough i think that in certain settings it can be why i would consider this film a series of tableaus rather than a narrative film is that if it was something like a video installation piece where you were in like a gallery and you were you know walking around and could sit with these shots and sequences and experience the music i think as a prompter for like eliciting a type of mood or atmosphere it's really good but the benefit of that setting is that when you've had enough of one you can just move i think that's a really excellent point i'm I'm glad you brought up a gallery comparative because i wanted to bring that up with your your point your prior point about how you had to look up information on the film afterwards to to sort of draw what its core like themes and and messages were to like abstract like modern art in galleries and my you know personal opinion on like the use of an art card on the wall right and i feel like if you have to read the the art card on the wall, the description like of the painting next to the painting to understand then it's the painting, then it, yeah, it, it can be. Uh, it can make a point that the piece itself did not convey what it was trying to and it needed outside assistance. I do not believe that's always the case. I think that there are plenty of great abstract pieces that are just nice to ponder over and can have multiple interpretations. Sure. But it is a way. I like to judge that yeah. sort of thing. And I think that applies. I, I don't want to open that bag of worms too much no, I, because that's, all I that's a it. whole rabbit hole. We, but we've I think, done multiple I, th- I, think, <laughs> I think you have a really good point that in a gallery setting, this would work much better because it is a very non-narrative piece in some ways. Mm-hmm. Where
where it is focused on mood and atmosphere. So if you experience bits and pieces of it, you would be okay. The The problem I have is with it structurally as a feature Ex- film. Exactly. Because yeah. I, I think slow cinema is much like novels to me in a lot of ways, especially like Russian literature, like Tolstoy or Dostoyevsky. You don't have a ton always going on, but you have a lot to think think about when there's not a ton of action going on exactly. you know you have stuff to to keep you there to at least think about themes or ideas that they're presenting even if it's not narrative action and also that you can put a book down like when you feel like you've had enough at that moment you can set it down and say all right i'm gonna that gives me stuff to think about i'm gonna come back to it later what i kept finding myself in this movie is that like a lot of the sequences I'm like, cool, I like this, nothing's really happening, but I like it, and then at a certain point I'm like, alright, let's move on, please. Mm-hmm. And then it goes for like another ten minutes. Yeah. yeah. And liking them individually, but wanting to be able to move on, it just made me feel like I was in like, like a gallery setting, where I can do that. I can get what I need from each and move on, and I'm not really missing anything, because there's not a whole lot happening. Well, you definitely, know? and I, I think that's a really good point, because... It's one thing if I feel like it's saying something or it's going at a theme or idea. I really can't say what the idea of this film is, you know, at a thematic element. Yeah. And I'm not a proponent of thinking that way for all films, but like especially for these minimal films, like give me an idea to think about, give me a theme, you know, like I don't really know what this movie was trying to say. Well, yeah, I do now after being told mm-hmm. what it's supposed to say. Yeah, but it and didn't I, convey it. Exactly. That being said, I can look back at instances in the movie with that context and be like, "Oh, okay. Yeah." I get it, and it gives me maybe a little bit more of an appreciation for those things, but it still comes back to I was not getting that from just watching the film. Which and that's rolls it back to the art card the art thing. Card you thing. know, like, like that's, that's I think as a mood piece, you don't really need the art card, but for yeah. the narrative aspect and the yeah. ideas aspect and the, you know, what they're trying to say aspect of it, you would need that additional right. Which is why I think that this director would do quite well directing someone else's script. I mean, I'm certainly intrigued enough by this movie. I would to definitely want like to see, to more, see of work. more more of this guy's films because I think that he has good ideas and he has good practices. There's just something missing. One thing I'll uh, or just learning from this film. I mean, sure. student work. You One know, like, thing I thought of near of the end of this film is I wonder if it was originally supposed to be a short film, and because of Kickstarter and grant they success, that oh he man, yeah, that explains it a lot. Out actually, to yeah. a feature, I think it would be a better short. I think film. it would be a yeah. much better. I, think, I agree. And, yeah, I think know. there's entire sequences that you could cut mm-hmm. out and whittle the whole thing down. And the thing is, you could keep the majority of stuff in it. You would just have to just pace it better and i think that would be for the benefit of the film overall i would say two thoughts on that first off i agree this film i think could have been more generally successful like as a short film or it could have just succeeded in what it was trying to do my personal preference would be just to to give the film more content and i have a couple of like like theoretical solutions primarily being as we said before like we're stuck outside looking in at our protagonist yeah sure like the like sympathy means like i suffer with you but we never feel like we are we feel like we're watching someone suffer because the place where the film misses the mark is just after she has grown up like when we cut to the adult albrun we have zero connection with albrun whatsoever we have we have none I, i like the mystery behind her baby i thought that was fine i thought that was great sure but we have no cause to like her. We don't get a sequence of joy with her or anything else with her before the sorrow, before the, it is the, all sorrow. The problem is that there's so little connection to her partially because there's very little dialogue in this film. And I'm fine with... Oh, it could have been with done without lar- dialogue. I'm fine with largely dialogueless films. But there needs to be something that connects us to this character, and the only time we see her as a child is for the opening sequence, which is largely just the death of her mother. 
yes extended very long but Which like, i personally liked that like i i liked how extended that was it was just that the film continued to be after i like a slow start i like coming into a movie breathing into it but then i need something there's elements of that that i liked that's one of the few times in the movie where i felt tension because you saw the mother degrading yeah there was a build there and yeah we, and I, too, thought like, that, I thought a lot of that was pretty successful and we get a sense that we're seeing that sequence through the eyes of a child like the way that she's perceiving like the witchy elements of the mother could right. just be like her imagination it, it there's a magical realism element to it and I thought that was great. In all likelihood, her mother is also mentally ill, and it's mm-hmm. a genetic thing. And that's probably why they're outcasts and separate from the village, and why the villagers think that they're witches. That really comes out in her mother when she's dying. And then, you know, she it starts manifesting in her when she's an adult. But there's just that huge gap in time that we know nothing about. None of that is really suggested all that well without the context of the director being like here's what i'm trying to convey mm-hmm. and and i think that the part with her mother dying is one of the like you said been more tense scenes and spookier especially like when she tells Albrun to like get in bed with her and she's like sniffing her that's really deeply uh, unsettling unsettling and then when Albrun runs off into like her room and we just hear her mother in the other room just like screaming and you know runs out into the into the woods into the snow and then even Albrun finding her in the swamp with the snakes on her body like that's that's all really cool it's just like there's never nothing ever really comes of it all you know i recognize that this is a dark brooding foreboding time in history in a in a culture that is (laughs) largely like stereotyped as dark brooding and foreboding like i I present herzog (laughs) as an example but even then any moments of joy even if they're fleeting would have helped me better empathize with our protagonist like and i want to bring up a comparative I, i hate to do it again all the children in the witch have moments of joy they're fleeting but like, like playing peekaboo, like I, the baby is taken off immediately after, right. but the kids like like doing their sing song bit, which becomes very creepy. The boy trying to do what's right. The characters are made whole. They're made to be dynamic but like, also through that. that and first... just seeing any joy in them, any like any humanity. And two, like when you have such a mentally charged person, they can have like pretty charged moments of joy before it's, flying into it's not whatever even, else. It's not even just joy either. It's just that first scene where we really are introduced to Thomason as a character when she's praying and asking forgiveness for her sins, which in that time are much more weighty, you know, than what we would consider now, just like normal things. And it's like she's impeaching God for forgiveness for things that don't need forgiving. And it's like that is immediately something to connect with that makes this person seem human and sympathetic. And then to follow that up, you know, with her playing peekaboo with the baby, which is then taken and then she's blamed for. It's like you 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 feel like you understand this character and you feel bad for her what's happening. And like you said, the, the the little boy, the little brother, like trying to do what's right and also being concerned about like the fate of his mortal soul, even though he's an innocent child. All things that make us invested. And- right. And there's nothing like that in this movie. No, <laughs> there's never there's never a moment of like Al Brune craving acceptance or or, you know, anything. And she doesn't even do that. It's like she, she might not just want acceptance, but like just like having a moment where she sees something in nature that is sweet, that that fills her with joy. No, no dialogue is even required yeah. for what I'm asking. Like it can be done with mood. <laughs> like sure. it can like just just to give us like anything. Her initial display is her going into the village, being harassed, and her tending to her child without all that with very joy. Little, with very little tenderness. Yeah, yeah and it, which is fine again, like considering like her mental state, but the very unusual like sexual encounter with the goat as well. Yeah. Which I want to talk about because that scene was directly ripped off from Viridiana, the the film I have a poster of over there by uh, Bunuel. It really? was straight up pulled directly from it, a hundred percent. And that's not the only sequences that that was directly ripped off in this movie. Um, the sequence where she puts her hair in the water and pulls it up and kind of has it 
over her face was directly ripped off from Tarkovsky's mirror. Film um, student shit. Real film student <laughs> shit. So I don't mind, you know, directly pulling from inspiration. Paying homage is great. But, you know, with the film with so little going on, it's a little more egregious. That that is not good. I do do want to talk about a little bit about the scene where she masturbates while milking the goat. I think that that has potential to, like, really add some interesting depth to it that really doesn't pay off because, like you said, there is the mystery of her child. When it cuts to her as an adult, she has an infant. There's nothing about a father. You know, Swinda even, you know, asks her at one point and she says, you know, there's no man. So with and the, the film you know, makes it relatively clear that, like, it was likely marauders of some kind and that she was, you know, like... A- yes, but there's also the implication that because she is perceived as a witch... witch that she had a child with... With the, the devil. Yeah, with the devil. With the and, devil. Because she is a goat herder. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's a bestial child. It's... Yeah. Right. There, there's no man, you know, there's no father. And we have the scene where she, like, gets off while milking this goat. So there's, like, a, a sexual connection with the beast most commonly associated with devil worship, you know? I liked it that there's that implication and there's no payoff. Mm-hmm. Right, and that. I even thought, like, the execution... Well, up until Ben said that it, it, it seemed to be, like, so immediately pulled from this other film, yeah, I, yeah. Sure, which, I was which actually, is, like, which, actually quite... I, I felt like the execution was quite good, and... Uh, I've seen some Buñuel, why. but I haven't seen Viridiana, and I've seen a lot of Tarkovsky, and I haven't seen The Mirror, so those are, um, those are both references. Yeah, well, and I think the idea is interesting, like you said, but I think the approach to it more, right. is a little heavy-handed, too. Well, right, well, I, you I, know, I think it's done better in Viridiana because uh, it's a little more subtle, which is funny because the rest of this movie tries to be so subtle that, like, having a scene that's so direct, like, feels over the top, in my opinion, in comparison. Well, that's the thing. When uh, when that scene happened, I'm like, okay, now we're going to start getting into, like, the spooky stuff. Like, now we're going to see that, you know, maybe she is a witch and that the, you know that there's something there, and then there's not. Another scene that I really like is when she has the encounter with the priest at the ossuary, and he gives her her mother's skull, polished and painted. I thought that scene was very cool, especially visually. Very Herzog! It's very very cool. Reminded me of Nosferatu. um, Old Germanic. Yeah. But that scene also never really has any payoff. I thought there was going to be more about that because, you know, this this priest is is very sinister and he's talking about like purging and stuff like that. When that scene happens and then that's followed up by like the goat scene, it's like you're getting this idea that like, oh man, like the town is going to like be riled up against her. Things are going to start happening in the town and she's going to be blamed for it. And it's going to be like, is she a witch? Is she not? And we never see the priest again. There's never any reference to that ever again. It just serves to get her her mother's skull, which she sets up a little altar to. And it never feels like these moments are, like, deeply affecting her. No. Like, she's so stoic. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I, I think that approach can be done. One great example of that is the film John Dielman by Chantal Ackerman. Which I would not recommend to everyone. It's like four hours long. It's very <laughs> repetitive. But it, essentially what it is, is it's a housewife doing chores for like three hours of the movie. And it's very minimal, contemplative, and slow. But you can tell these things are affecting her and how she's doing them. And while they're very repetitive, I think the repetition works to its advantage to make it more contemplative. You know, like I think... And there's, you know, kind of, there's a kind of madness and, in repetition. Yeah, and too. I think this kind of approach could work mm-hmm. if they had, you know, more approaches 
to show how this is affecting her. You can't have but a descent again, into madness if you're already at it in the basin. And right. if once, you're already in the depths, then you can't you can't continue to plunge. And once again, because it's so distant, having a static character, you can't understand them in the same way because you're not getting the element of how this is affecting them. And it doesn't even always have to be through their subjective view of how things are happening. You just need to be able to see, like, visually in their face how things are affecting them. And she because has, she's yeah, she so stoic, you get so little from that. I will, like, in in defense of the actress, I think a, lo- a lot of it's just because... Uh, her being underutilized. I think it's. Um, I, I but, think the problem is in the direction, not yes, in the not in the, the act. Yeah, because I will. I no, will. No, 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 I did no. want to make one point about her, like Malcolm McDowell, Clockwork Orange esque, like wide eyed gazes that she does. I mean, she has straight up bug eyed stare uh, in yeah. the swamp scene near yeah. the end. There yeah. were a couple. But that was of times, one of the yeah. few times well, that's, where, that's, like, that's my thing is that when she is directed to emote, she does it well. But it seems like the director only had two modes for her, which is completely stoic, unresponsive, and eye-popping insane. Like, those are those are her two modes. So much of the film is just her. It's so isolated. But we have no connection to her if we don't get any idea of how events are affecting her. Right. And it's it's what happens when you play your you keep your cards too close to your chest. Yeah. And the thing is, I think even having stoic characters doesn't have to detract from that. You know, I think of directors like Robert Bresson, who intentionally made sure all of his actors didn't really emote at all in his films. But the thing is, they had things to grasp there's in terms of though. idea, yeah, right. and there's, substance. There's they're not emoting, but there's substance under it. So the lack of emotion provides a different context for the substance. But in this case, there's no substance and there's no emotion. There's exactly. nothing. There's nothing. Exactly. Other than Give mood. me one or the other or both. But if you leave me with very with little to nothing of either, it just leaves me empty. Yeah. You uh, know, another uh, another really good example of something that didn't make me feel anything in this movie when I should have is her whole relationship with like the other village girl Swinda I don't think works at all. I found it very confusing because like this girl like reaches out to her and seems like she wants to kind of like make her less of a pariah and sort of like bring her in. She seems genuinely friendly and then with zero hard right turn zero motivation for the turn leads her off to get raped by who I guess some, is her husband, but we don't some, know some, some guy. guy. Yeah. And then neither of those characters are ever seen again. Ever. We know what happens to them. We do see that. Do we? Yes. Yes, we do. That's we, uh, what, one, what ends up happening is she after yeah. she's she's raped by them. She goes back to the place where oh, she well, met she, them, uh, drops yeah, the, the rat in the, the water. She poisons the water by bringing a dead rat to it and then and pissing in it. And then um, we see the bring out your dead folks again. She goes to the scene of the crime to like see like the, the burial bodies and then like Lee goes back to the house. So, like, those, she, those bodies aren't specifically Swinda and the rapist. Yeah. Though, well, because right? they don't show They're, the bodies, but I mean, it's it's, should, it's well implied. You know, I, I, I think the implication <laughs> is more than enough. There, she goes back. She poisoned the bodies, and then the plague bringer is just assumed that they died of the plague, and then they get cremated. I, mean, I, I think that's, I, that's I'd well love to have a more direct payoff. You yeah, know, like well, I think I think sure. the, yeah, the payoff yeah. was fine. All right, I think the the execution of the payoff was fine. I think that there just wasn't any substance before it. Like like you were saying, like right. we don't get anything with Swinda well, to makes, make us feel anything with that. It makes me the whole thing made me feel nothing usually when filmmakers include like rape it's supposed to be like horrifying you know and it's not it's like it's unsettling and it's it's unsettling at best and and completely unmotivated at worst and serves very little narrative purpose if any violence is one thing but like if you're gonna have rape in your movie like that needs to serve a purpose Mm -hmm. because that's not the kind of thing you should put unmotivated into your film also like the the killing of her goat was it them i I don't know i mean yeah you can assume that it was 
that it was people from the town because like uh she's bad but we don't see these we don't see these people we don't see them being like this bitch is a witch we need to drive yeah. her out we need to do something. like there's some children like, mocking her at the beginning when she goes into town and that's right it. she gets bullied by children yeah i i think this movie has so many implied things that i would just honestly i think it would have been super appreciated to have some directness at times yes to counterbalance 100%. that just having things implied throughout your film it doesn't make it contemplative it just makes it vague having direct cause and effect or direct outcomes or direct things happening on screen doesn't make you know it obvious right. you know or less abstract 100 percent. no i i completely agree and just because of all of this, like, when we finally get to the climax where she has a horrible mushroom trip and drowns her baby in the swamp where she found her mother's body and then takes the baby back to her hut and cooks it and eats it, that is, from a visual standpoint, pretty powerful and striking and horrifying. But once again... I have no connection to it. It just left me empty, honestly. Yeah. Like, and for such a powerful scene like that, such a an upsetting, disturbing yeah. scene. And again, the execution of it is the and the execution full marks. is is I think disturbing because like we see part of the baby's skeleton on her plate and she's like chewing fat off of yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's so gross. well done. Like, like it's, it's the execution's if, amazing. If there was some sort of emotional impact behind it, I think that scene would have been like truly horrifying yeah if i've been made to feel anything for the character but because there's so much lack of substance otherwise like you said ben it feels completely empty it doesn't feel shocking because it feels like she could have done this at any point of the film i, I like uh, our, our conversation we had like right after the movie ended y'all were saying like i felt like nothing happened in this movie and and my response was like well i mean she did like eat her baby and then you just said like well yeah but apropos of nothing yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah seriously like, that's also completely unmotivated. Like, yeah, it feels like a set piece. And I think yeah. as a set piece, it works. It's a very good, effective set it's, piece. It's an effective but... set piece. And I, I do like that kind of surreal part where she, after she drowns the baby and like she goes underwater, the water kind of like distorts and it looks like the inside of lungs or something and there's blood and it's very abstract and, and beautiful and creepy to look at. It's gorgeous. But once again, Stunning. like why, why do I, why should I care about any of this why should i care why why do i care it looks cool and it's got the the score behind it which is amazing so like it looks it's great from like a music video honestly this whole movie should just be like an extended music video for mmmd which we should emphasize yeah. the music time to talk about best that. part of the movie the for sure absolute best part the, best part the, the total highlight of this film incredible dark gonna, tribal ambient i'm gonna open the podcast with that piece i think so people listening will have already heard an example good, of the music good it's awesome and i think that's one of the few saving graces of the film and is i think if it had a lesser score i don't know if i would be able to sit through all of the, this film the score does probably 60 percent of the mood work and the visuals do the other 40 the music does so much heavy lifting and it's mostly the same track and variations on the track extended it's very minimal and repetitive but it's just so dark and gooey we watched uh, a music video for that track that the duo did and it's mostly just shots from this movie expository and, shots and, and, it, and it works and it works really well as a music video yeah. so it's like honestly like i i uh the, I, I love i love this genre of really old world you know style instruments and i, I mean i would I, dark folk, ambient. yeah, yeah dark it's folk like, is like my I, jam and a half i would consider this you know like dark tribal ambient in a mm. lot of ways like mm. ritual ambient it evokes that mood for oh, sure yeah. yeah it's it's great like i agree with you ben like if this had a lesser score i think i would have found sitting through this film much more frustrating mm -hmm. because like the the music is just so good i uh i'm engaged in this just for the mood one point I want to make about the expository shots. 
that kind of caught me off guard. As I said, there's a lot of shots of like brooding mountains and forest and, and such. But but there are two shots in the film I noticed where we saw forested mountains, but there were tracts like through the forest that had like clearly been brush cut with modern machinery. Could I have been like utilized slaloms. And I also <laughs> noticed another shot in the mountains where we saw like a field in the midground that looked like modern manicured also um yeah like and i was just thinking like i saw the shots and i was just like you have all these other shots of mountains that don't have that in it you could have gotten away with just not having those those mountains they got away with they got away with it for me i did not yeah that that, that was a small thing for me way over my head Um, uh one thing i wanted to ask you cleave is i know you mentioned this movie being sort of an allegory for the plague yes can you unpack that a little bit because i i don't i don't read that but i'd be interested to hear your reading on it most certainly first off we have just the fact that her mother succumbs to it at the beginning and uh such a great deal of emphasis from the opening on is is placed on the plague we get these really gratuitous shots of like the what, what would you call them like the the pustules like under the mother's arms that the makeup is too well done on like it's really gruesome those are those are called buboes that's where that's, right. that's where the that's term the bubonic plague comes from mm-hmm. they're swollen lymph nodes that mm-hmm. are infected with plague bacteria yeah. and they are they are very well executed they're yeah. they're nicely done and um yeah we, we see this like played up with the mother and like and later on when she goes to visit the priest and we see the also like the the plague bearers and the people like you know yeah. carting the bodies you know the bring, bring out, out your dead <laughs> I feel happy I think I could go for a walk like uh, which we all we were all giggling over so it's it's regularly established there uh, also uh, we have a sequence it's the only like turning element that we get with Swinda between like her being friendly with Abrun and her becoming her rapist and that is uh, there's a sequence of the two of them sitting looking over the mountains she brings up Auburn's potential like her child's parentage and that you know right. it's, she she refers to because uh, we all got had a big yikes over it the because, Jews and the heathens yeah and mara- and like roaming marauders yeah. you know and uh, and how, how keeping keeping them out of the out of the mountains we she says something like where we have it so nice up here in our mountains away from all the Jews and the heathens mm-hmm. and and she she makes it uh, <laughs> clear that she she feels some sort of at the time we believe to be like uh, sympathy or sorrow towards Abrun with her child. Like I think she she makes enough of a hint that like that's probably where her child like where she's assuming her child is from. And right. of course Abrun says nothing. Later we see that it's it's disgust that she has for her right. over that. I was looking over the I, I wanted to just better familiarize myself with the time and with the plague, which I've done a bit of reading on like how it affected like Renaissance era Italy, but I was less familiar with like how it affected like Eastern Europe. I do have one quote here just off the Wikipedia page, which is uh because 14th century healers were at a loss to explain the cause, Europeans turned to astrological forces, earthquakes, and the poisoning of wells by Jews as possible reasons for the plague's emergence. The governments of Europe had no apparent response to the crisis because no one knew uh, its cause or how it spread. Uh, renewed religious fervor and fanaticism bloomed in the wake of the Black Death. Some Europeans targeted various groups such as Jews, friars, foreigners, beggars, pilgrims, lepers, and Romani, uh, thinking they were to blame for the crisis. And we we see that sort of comparatively brought up with Swinda saying like, oh, these the Jews coming through the mountains, these marauders. Sure, like, that the and, townspeople would maybe consider Albrun as a source of the plague. Yes, and and, and thereby witchcraft as well. Yeah, sure. I thought that was interesting that that, that seems like like directly I think, pulled. I think that's also interesting context. Once again, it rolls back around to that's the kind of thing that you can make a little bit more direct in your film. Well, yes. yeah, again, I had to <laughs> read about it to make that right. comparative. And, and that's my general blanket thought for most of this movie is that in context, a lot of the stuff I think is... The is, subtlety. Is interesting. It works. And works. It's just that's all there the is. Problem, <laughs> the problem is that you have to have the context, which is yep. should not be the case. Well, yeah, put the some of that context in your film. Yeah, right. yeah, it's it's a period piece. Like, we're we're kind of going and expecting, like, some I'm, of that Yeah, context. and I'm okay to have films that are open to interpretation or can have multiple readings, but give me something to grasp on for those readings. There's so little in that respect. 
Lest we start going too terribly in circles, do y'all want to rate? I had sure. one last okay. point I wanted sure. to bring up, okay. and I, I've touched on it briefly, but I want to get a little bit deeper into it. It's, it's, it's a short topic, but going back to the influences I think that like Herzog's Nosferatu had on this film, when it comes to using realism to depict magical realism, not necessarily incorporating any immediate visuals of the supernatural occurring to display the supernatural like friends like the phantom castle in nosferatu we see ruins and then we see castle but we don't see the castle becoming ruins or any special effects we just see expository shot of ruins and then we see the interior of the castle and like there's nothing to play off of with that and i I think this film did a decent job of applying that same concept it's a little different because we're seeing supernatural occurrences with like the mother looks very witchy like when she's dying and there's only we see like some of the sequences of of her like having like a schizophrenic break at the end there's only i think one instance of of the true supernatural in this which is another problem i have with it because it kind of undermines yeah. the film the, the final shot right well yeah is that yeah. she after she eats her baby she climbs up to the peak of the mountain and bursts into flame yeah what is that supposed yeah. to be? Is I don't that, know. It looks was, great. It looks great. <laughs> is that supposed to imply that it wasn't just mental illness and that it was witchcraft? Right. Like, what it kind of does Because, like, literally everything else in the film can be displayed as, oh, we're seeing as her schizophrenia from her perspective. Me- yeah, mental illness like, and The mother whispering to her, uh, you know, like, her, you hearing, hearing like, her mother's oh, voice from the sky. Yeah, like, schizophrenia yeah. 101. Like, that's, that's fine. And, like, even the vision of her mother. Like, she's taken psychedelic mushrooms, which we know, like, psychedelic have a particularly like negative yes. effect on people with uh, psychological issues. So that's great, but uh, we're gonna do it. <laughs> right, and then she bursts into flame, which, once, which once apply, again, and then applies once this. again, apropos of nothing mm-hmm. at the very end, and it makes for a very striking final shot. But what is it trying to say within the context of the film? Mm-hmm. It seems off message with the rest of the film. So I, uh, oof, I don't know, man. My final little point before we get into rating, uh, so my rating doesn't come out of the blue, <laughs> is for me, mood without anything to think about, just shots of mountains and scoring and events occurring is enough. I had a great time watching this movie. Sure. But that is very, and I recognize this is quite, quite limited to myself, and I and I feel most people will not feel that way about it, and I think that you are more justified, like, in, <laughs> in, in that perspective. But I had a damn good time watching this movie front to back. I enjoyed the set pieces. I completely recognize and acknowledge those criticisms and, you know, joined in on, like, the, the picking apart of it, because I... Again, I I agree with those things, and I think you're right, and those things would have made it a better film. But for what it is, I really liked it. (laughs) I do do still uh, stand by, like, my personal enjoyment of the film. I know how I felt watching it, and that was delight, because I love that aesthetic deeply, and it captured the aesthetic incredibly well. Unfortunately, it did not capture the characterization, and I am left, like you guys, feeling a little bitter about that, because of what it could have been if it had because everything else was so well executed that if those those things had been there this film would have been god so masterful yeah. i think and again I think so, why so. i i would advise like keeping an eye out for the for the director for anyone associated with this film what it did do it did in spades why don't you just throw a rating on that was my last that was absolutely my last i'm gonna stick with a a four okay out of five i think that if what was there had not been so phenomenal i would have given it a low rating and in many circumstances too i i feel i would feel more bitter about the fact that it was lacking so much characterization and in like a in its ability to draw me in as a film i'm just a sucker from the start for like those sorts of visuals so i'm i'm giving it a four i'm giving it a strong four even but with with the acknowledgement that that is my my rating and that i don't think that's the average it's interesting because right after the film i originally had set to rate this at two and a half i think upon unpacking it i it's been more clear to me how empty this movie made me feel in a lot of ways. It's slow cinema without any directness to grasp onto. And like we've been emphasizing over and over again this episode, like there's a big difference between having open-endedness and implied things in your film and just being vague. 
the imagery in this film was strong, but the director didn't have a great grasp on what he was trying to say with it. The music is incredible, but music alone with a film that doesn't really have narrative development, tension, or character development just leaves me empty. It's so, a visual album. Yeah, yeah, and it, it leaves me bored, honestly. It doesn't have tension, and it just left me bored. I'm going to give it a 2 out of 5. Check it out for the music. A gallery setting would be a great idea for this film, uh, like you mentioned, but as a film, I think it kind of fails. I'm the middle ground between you guys on this one. I have acknowledged before on the podcast that I tend to be much more frustrated with films that I see great potential Mm -hmm. in, and I tend to be harsher on them because of that. Uh, And I think that this film was overflowing with potential and even executed certain things well, but as a whole was extremely underdeveloped and I think incredibly unsuccessful because of that. The film's damn lucky that the cinematography and the music are are so on point. I'm definitely intrigued to see more from this filmmaker, but I think that he owes more than he can ever know to his cinematographer and to uh, MMMD, who did the music, because holy shit, Without those things, I might have hated this movie. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so, but because I liked those aspects of it so much, it saves it from being what I would consider a bad film. Uh, I'm going to give it a three out of five. I think I think uh, that's between you guys. Yeah, I that's, think that's the right. That's fair. Right um, I will say, if this was a short film. I'd probably rate it a four if it was oh, cut yeah, down probably. to like a good 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the content would be I enough would be to. Powerful, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or Oregon, like if the, the character works, had been more substantial, it, it, it could have been a fucking five for me. Like, it, works <laughs> as a, it works as a mood piece. Uh, and I think it works as a series of tableaus, but little else. I'm all here for fucking Hagazusa, the gallery piece, though. (laughs) Hagazusa, the video installation, I would be very, very on board for. Well, uh, that'll give us an average of three out of five, which I think, considering our range of opinions on this, is about where it needs to be. I would say check it out with a disclaimer. Uh, Don't go into it looking for narrative or anything to really happen, but... If you're like Cleveland and you and you get a lot out of of just mood alone, then I think this movie has that in spades. But it is certainly no the witch. Yeah, and on that note, uh, I think it's probably time for a word from our sponsor, don't you think? It is. It is indeed. So last week we had a bit of a, a fiasco where we had a uh, snafu. You two could say. two sponsor supporters sponsor the podcast, but no sponsor, so they both were. Uh, They kind of redacted themselves. Um, But uh, this time around, I have good news. I I went uh, high into the hills and uh, found found another sponsor for us. Uh, This week, uh, supporting the podcast, we have uh, bonbons for for Bonobos. And it's, uh, if you didn't know this, there's a horrible plague outbreak amongst uh, Bonobos right now. Um, sure is. I'm, I'm seeing it on the news headlines right now. And uh, it's it's definitely not a bit. It's saying, yeah, the, 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 the bubonic plague is back, but don't worry for yourselves. Uh, not affecting people this time. It's affecting uh, 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 the, the, the specific uh, sect of ape known as the Bonobo. And so there's a company right now that is trying to remove the Bubos from the Bonobos by giving them bonbons and just like easing their their losses by giving them these delightful treats what is a bonbon again uh they're like little pastries yeah yeah little sweets that's right yeah i I knew that but thank you and uh yeah so this this company is giving uh you know like uh, pastries to these uh these poor uh deceived deceived (laughs) these poor diseased um uh sorry it says that in the copy i'm just you know just reading uh what, what they wrote and uh making them feel better so yep uh support now get uh bonbons for for bonobos and get rid of those boobos you know no more no more boobos for bonobos give them bonbons bing bong (laughs) yep (laughs) bye bye (laughs) all right well next week it's that fucking time again 
It's our two-year anniversary, boys. Our second birthday. Oh yeah. We've somehow been doing this podcast for two years now. Similarly to last year, we're going to be doing a powerful original versus remake two-parter. But this year, we're going to be talking about the films that gave us our namesake. We're going to be talking about Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Both the 50s version and the 70s remake. So get hyped to hear the pod people talk about pod people. We're getting really meta here. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have a lot of thoughts about both films. I'm Same. excited to I'm watch excited. them again. I It's been a long time since I've seen the 50s one. I think the last time I saw it was in early high school. So I'm happy I saw it and excited college. to revisit it. I saw it in college last time. I'm well familiar with the social impact of those films and like the, the zeitgeist that it was, it was picking apart at the time or playing off of. But uh, actually, when I was a child... Uh, they had a cassette of it at the library, and my parents wouldn't let me get it because it was too scary Damn. for me at the time. So I've never actually seen either version. All right. Well, you're in for a double dose of excitement, mm-hmm. and so are our listeners. So tune back next week for part one of our second birthday spectacular. We'll be talking about the 1950s version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And uh, if you want to give us an early birthday present, then head on down to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts podcast and smash that motherfucking five stars whack it give it a good slap hit it so hard that the internet shakes and Mm -hmm. while you're at it leave us a a few nice words and why you like the show we really appreciate that you can also follow us on twitter at pod people pod uh, or on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash podpeoplepod, where you will find the list of all of the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews, as well as browsing the hallowed halls of our golden pods, uh, also available on Letterboxd. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome. I'm at Mr. Sheets. I'm uh, occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studio uh, as we continue our development of It Stares Back, our delightful early access game on Steam that is a horror RTS RPG with fun storytelling and very lore and heavy narrative. Very moody, stuff. but I promised with more substance than Hagazusa. Hey. <laughs> but be the judge of it for yourself and uh, come check it out. And of course, uh, join our Discord, our development Discord as well, where you can see us working on the game in real time and if you mention pod people uh if you're one of the first to mention pod people on uh, when you join in uh we'll i'll shoot you a copy of the game hell yeah uh if you want to learn more about that you can visit our website at lightarcstudio.com or just google it stares back we got pretty good optics on that so you shouldn't have any problem finding us oh yeah but uh stay tuned next week birth time it, see ya it is time <laughs>